Welcome to the Film Illiterates Podcast, your home for uninformed, unfiltered, ill-advised movie talk. As always, I'm Joe Campbell, and joining me today, as always, is Alex Patton. Hey, all And Nathan Stone. Hello, everybody. So, uh, how are you guys doing? We're in, this is what, week three of uh, COVID-19 quarantine? Uh, you guys you guys hanging in there? Uh, it's, I think I mentioned last time, it's no different than how it is normally for me. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing fine, man. Um, I'm just typing all work and no plays, making Nathan a dull boy. The 86th time right now, Joe, on my typewriter. So, I still got maybe 25 more pages left to go. So. The walls of your house are just getting scratched with the little tally marks every day that goes by. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm just counting every second of every millisecond every day. It's, yeah, it's hard. Well, and uh, as with a lot of people, I, a lot of things have changed as we've been all been called to uh, socially distance ourselves from each other as we weather out this uh, virus that's going across, I was going to say across the country, but really across the whole world at this point. And along with everything else that's been that's been affected by this over the years, uh, film distribution has taken quite the turn over the past few weeks. As, as we've seen, uh, a lot of films that were meant to be released in theaters are now getting pushed online a lot earlier. Some movies have been pushed back quite a few uh, months, some of the year. Uh, we're going to be talking about that as part of our conversation today. It's about the kind of, kind of the landscape of film distribution, especially in light of digital platforms and streaming services. And if this is going to make a significant change, a permanent change going forward for digital distribution, is this going to be the kind of the kick in the pants that film distribution has been needing to catch up to the 21st century? Or is this just kind of a little blip uh, until things get back to the original normals? That will be part of our discussion. And as, as part of that discussion, we'll be leading it, it off with a, uh, a review of The Hunt, which was a film that got released in theaters initially, and then in the, the studio decided to release it online so you can rent it, uh, a movie on, online a lot earlier than you usually be able to. So we'll be get, uh, starting off with a review of that, and then we'll be moving into our discussion on digital distribution. Every year, these liberal elites kidnap a bunch of normal folks like us and hunt us for sport. The last I heard, free speech still exists. Don't First Amendment me. It wasn't real. Everybody get out of here! We were joking. There's been a killing spree. You gotta come here right now. You actually believed we were hunting human beings for sport. (laughs) But you are. The Hunt is a 2020 movie directed by Craig Zobel. Twelve strangers wake up in a clearing. They don't know where they are or how they got there. They don't know they've been chosen for a very specific purpose. The Hunt. So this is a movie that came out this year. It's interesting because it's it's gone through kind of a whirlwind of controversy. It looked like a very politically tinged movie and it got pushed back a little bit. And then it came out earlier this year, uh, probably about a month ago. And shortly after it was released, coronavirus hit. Theaters got shut down and uh, the filmmakers just end up putting it 
out online for uh, rental for twenty dollars a rental for forty hour rental. Jeez, that's that's more expensive than just the average ticket right now. Yeah, like- <laughs> and we'll talk about that briefly uh, tor- tor- towards the end here. But uh, so I was interested in this movie initially just because I thought it looked it could be just kind of like a fun over the top uh, action horror comedy. Yeah, that- kind of like in the same light as like a Ready or Not in a way, where it just goes all off the wall with the violence and still there's a lot of fun behind it. Yeah, but then I, I didn't hear that much about it before it came out and kind of lost interest. I didn't get interested until reviews started pouring in with people touting this as kind of this uh, revival of exploitation cinema. Uh I thought, oh, that sounds like it could be fun. And it also did get a lot of backlash for the uh, uh, politics in the movie, mm-hmm. which I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll talk about at some point. So let's start off with uh, Nate. Nate, what, mm-hmm. what did you think of this movie and what were your expectations going in? So I kind of was one of those guys when I heard about this movie, I was kind of in the midst of that controversy talk, like there's a lot of people saying, oh, this is a a deliberate attack on right-wing conservatives, and this is just the liberals taking a jab at that to promote their agenda. The thing is, I watched it. I did not get that vibe at all. I think it, it looked at both sides as like they're both not right, but they're both not wrong. I think they're just in a weird scenario, which is everyone's shooting each other for sport. But there's something about the politics in it that they try to wedge in and it doesn't, I, I almost kind of feel like you should have just let it be more something like what ready or not should have been, which is just have these people thrown into this kind of arena and let's see what they do, which it does. It does a good portion of that. Um, I just only wanted it to kind of like do a lot more of that and not get so wrapped up into it. But I think people who are raving about, oh, this is a bad movie, you should watch it. We're making a bigger deal of it than it really was. Awesome. Alex? I I mean, before it came out, I remember seeing some trailers for it, and it wasn't something that I was particularly interested in seeing. From what little I saw of the trailers, it seemed to set itself up as a more serious thriller, almost horror movie, and that kind of just immediately turned me off to it. I, I wasn't really interested. I didn't hear a whole lot about the kind of politics controversy. A little bit here and there, but um, it wasn't something that I was keeping up on really at all. And what did you think of the actual movie once you, once you watched it? I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah, it completely threw off my expectations. It was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be, and it, it went a completely different route than I, I had originally thought it was going to take. Talking about the trailer, I thought it was going to be a lot more serious, and it's not that really at all. So I kind of love this movie. I I really got a uh, kick out of it. I, I had a blast from beginning to end mm-hmm. <laughs> with this I, movie. I had, no, I had no idea, Joe. It almost kind of seemed like it would have been the opposite for you. <laughs> the um, uh, but what's interesting is that is that I, I was really enjoying this movie when it began. Uh, they 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 do a lot of bait and switches with mm-hmm. kind of making you guess who the main character is going to be mm-hmm. until they settle on Betty Gilpin. Uh, and I was enjoying that. I was, I, was, I was kind of thinking like, oh, this is kind of an unconventional way of uh, introducing the, the concept and following along the, the characters. <laughs> the, the moment that solidified how much I was going to enjoy this movie was uh, shortly after she arrives and she yells, you fucked up, bitch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the, the way station. she delivers that line oh, I know. was the funniest thing. <laughs> well, she just has that range of like where she's like going from like she's just playing it very deadpan straight. She's like studying the whole scene. But then when she has to drop a line like that, she just owns it. And it makes it 
the best punchline of the whole thing. You don't understand the question? Oh, no, I don't. Just... Most people know where they are. <laughs> Why ain't most people? You're in the glorious state of Arkansas. Is there anything else that... <laughs> Cigarettes in Arkansas only cost six bucks. You fucked up, bitch. Interesting. So, so, so talking about the politics of this movie, uh, going into this movie, I think a lot of people were confused because I kind of felt I was a little confused because I, I, at one point, I, I see where it was heading towards, but I almost kind of was wondering: Are they trying to not make fun of people, or are they trying to make fun of one group? I can't tell anymore. At this point, I'm like, just give me the. Uh, theatrical antics and the violent like slashing i'll be okay with that because whatever message i was trying to go for it gets kind of wrapped up in its own you know whatever delivery is trying to do well going into this movie i think a lot of people were confused because it's it plays itself very coy in the trailers as far as where it leans politically and i think that was turning off a lot of people to it just in, initially right off the bat because right. i mean the the main premise is liberal elites hunting down conservative rednecks but the but the but the trailers left room to show that like oh we're going to be turning some things on their heads you don't know what the actual outcome's going to be so people didn't know going in whether it was going to be making fun of liberals or conservatives right and in the in the actual movie it, it kind of makes fun of both. I mean, it, it plays into the stereotypes of both. I know I know a lot of people find these this the kind of stuff cringe cringeworthy, but I thought the whole thing was just kind of silly. You know, where you have on the one hand, uh, you have the the kind of leftist stereotype of the vegans who uh, who, who get 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 upset if you use the wrong gender and uh, if if you can if you conform to kind of gender stereotypes and all that. But on the other hand, you have the gun toting. Uh, conservative rednecks who are all about the Second Amendment and and immigration is is oh no those people are just faking it you know you don't want to let them into our country kind of a thing right which is why I actually do appreciate Betty Gilpin's uh, character in this because she's kind of the middle of both of these groups yeah the movie plays very coy with what her political motivations are and yeah. the thing is I'm glad she plays it as so silently or and so stealthily as she does because. Really, at that point, she kind of looks at everything and sees the bullshit behind both groups. And they're like, you're just stupid. So I'm just looking out for me. And if you get yourself blown up, that's your fault. I kind of just like how like Ethan Stulpe just like joins in her group as like, shut the fuck up, Gary. And <laughs> which, which is what he's called in the credits. Yes, is notice. he really? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. like his podcast name in a way, I think, isn't no, it? No. Yeah, that's what he's credited as. That's amazing. I missed that. That's like her running line with him because she sees you're just a dumb hick who just is so full of himself and he's so hot headed. You get yourself blown up, it's your fault. Oh, <laughs> oh gross. Big game Shane. Trigger warning, I'm oh, sorry. Whoa. I think the pick speaks for itself. It's an 8.8. And guys, we can't include everybody, okay? Thousands of people posted about Manor Gate, so. Christ. It's a gate now? Well, they ruined water and pizza. Why not manners? Listen, I want to slaughter all of them just like everybody else here, okay? But our military consultant says we gotta cap it out at 12. Why? It's our first time. Safety reasons, okay? Oh, Heavens. God forbid somebody gets hurt. Is that a kimono? That's appropriation, Richard. Hey, we're at liberty and Ted. In therapy. 
Jesus, they yeah. lost everything, Rich. They, they lost their jobs and their reputation. So did I, Miranda. But I'm dealing with it, with, you know, drugs and alcohol, like a normal person. Excuse me, did anyone else here get reassigned to Croatia? No? No? Because I did. It was a blessing in disguise. We're going to build that gas station for pennies. There's Next no slide. Yeah, so talking about kind of the, the overall political motivations of the movie, this, this, this movie reminded me of something. I was trying to think of who it was targeted at specifically, and it reminded me a lot of Get Out, which I felt like was uh, targeted more at kind of those white people who think that they're super progressive, but in reality, they're not going as far as they should, or they're not looking at things quite the way that they think they are. Yeah. Uh, this movie reminded me of that in that I think the target of this movie is ultimately more of a left base, but it's not from a right angle. This felt like a similar sort of thing where it felt like it was taken from a leftist angle targeted at other leftists that he wants to hear about like like here here is how we should be behaving that's kind of the angle that i got from this movie i'm not sure if that's true that's kind of you know there's a surface level kind of criticism with the broad parodies of both sides but i felt like the heart of the movie was one side from someone who was from that side yeah at, at the same point i almost kind of feel like it was trying to maybe show just in a way how ridiculous both sides are Oh like yeah, in the I midst agree. of it, like when you kind of like see in this, it's like they're all just trying to survive. And I think I'm kind of glad it starts off with the scene that it does, because it kind of snows ball into big something bigger that should not have taken this far. And everyone is just so egocentric. It's like you guys are putting people's lives on the line just to prove a point or just to get out some steam or something like that. And I don't know. I want to kind of maybe segue a little bit into what we'll be talking about later, Joe. Do you think because the politics of this movie? or just like the premise it presents would have been just so polarizing to audiences that maybe pulling it as early as it did, despite the COVID-19 happening, do you think pulling it and going from a video on demand kind of release was probably the best platform for it to go? I I, th I think video on demand might, might be where this, this sort of movie is meant to thrive. It, it does seem more like a, like, more like a cult movie. Uh, Politics aside, it is a very fun, over-the-top action horror comedy uh, that kind of twists things on its head a little bit here and there. The movie goes at a very breakneck pace, which is great, and then it kind of staggers a little bit towards the end where it gets very exposition-y. It kind of grinds to a halt for a little bit, but then it picks up again for the last, you know, 10 minutes or so. Right. But it's the sort of movie that strikes me that it would find a cult audience after the fact, you know, you know, like one of those, one of those horror movies that didn't do well in theaters, but then built up a following on VHS in the eighties, you know? Yeah. There's something about like, as you, I'm kind of glad you mentioned like Jordan Peele's get out because I kind of was making similar comparisons to it. There's something just about like the way it's shot, the way it's handled, the, the scope of it, where it feels like these are the stakes these characters are going with. They're so outrageous yet. If you are placed in their universe, they feel real enough. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you can't take it too seriously because otherwise you miss the whole fun of it and the one thing i loved about this joe i agree with you i liked trying to guess like well what's going to happen next it kind of just kept up that steam but you're right towards the very end when it tried to build up like why is this going on why are these people being forced here it did kind of start losing steam and i think that's kind of like maybe the reason why i kind of felt maybe this wouldn't have floated as well in a theatrical release as it did and maybe doing a direct to demand was a better option for it to go Although we can't tell because right now it's only letting us know like what the results are from the box office. As for every other movie, it's not letting us know like if it's generating any revenue 
from this uh, video on demand. Yeah, I uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of reputation this movie has uh, going forward. Alex, before we move into the second half, uh, what are some other thoughts you had on this movie overall? Would you uh, re- recommend it? Anything that we we haven't pointed out yet that you noticed? Um, like you guys were saying, the movie has a lot of fun, and I like that it moves along so quick. One thing I wish that they had kind of done differently is they kill off way too many of the characters in just one go. I wanted to see a little bit more fighting instead of so much kind of exposition and detective work on figuring out what's going on and all. And when we do see some violence, it's great. It's so much fun. It's handled really, really well, but it's really condensed, Um, especially in this is getting the spoilers, but it's, especially in the parts where uh, Betty Gilpin's character takes out a bunch of the people hunting them all in one go, just like most of everyone's art is dead in, in one like scene. Well, I, th- I think like, that's kind of like the big thing about it is like, you kind of are start off thinking this is like a, a hunger games kind of scenario where it's like, Oh, it's more than just one elitist who are just like all in on this. They're like all like televising this. And then you realize, Oh no, they're just all on this manor plantation. It's just a handful of them. And at that kind of point, all of them are not very well equipped. They're just kind of like hiding in their bunkers and just like shooting from a hilltop. And when you realize that, it's like, oh, yeah, well, then, yeah, of course, they're going to be easily taken out. They have no clue what's coming towards them. Oh, yeah. I mean, it makes sense why they're taken out so quick. I just not not I mean, not even so much that like all of them team up, but just I wish all of the hunters weren't in just one spot conveniently to be killed all at once. That's true. Yeah, I kind of did think that was odd, especially just like how many like in the very beginning when everybody's getting taken out so quickly, I'm like, wow, they must be all around somewhere. But no, it's just from that one bunker. Like you're saying, it makes sense why they're there, because even with their um, I don't know what to call them, their instructor, their uh, chaperone. (laughs) (laughs) Chaperone. Yeah, they need a chaperone, honestly. Yeah, then the little back and forth between him and Betty Gilpin is just like talking about their military experience and she's been in actual combat and he's been in national guard, which I thought was a kind of funny exchange between the two. <laughs> that of them. was it explained actually. a bit as well. It, like I said, it makes sense why they're all there. I wanted it to drag out a little bit more and have her hunt them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I, I was kind of surprised not early on, but late, uh, maybe about, maybe about halfway through the movie where you find out that like, Oh, like out of the people being hunted, it's like it's just like her and like one other person is left. Yeah, I was like out of the whole group. Oh wow, okay, that that went by quickly. Yeah, Emma Roberts got shot real quick. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I and she's kind of like she starts off in the trailer. It's like, oh, you think she's going to be the main character? And it's like, yeah. nope. Yeah, they pulled a, a, a scream. Was yeah, scream very quickly. So I think we all more or less to varying degrees would recommend the movie. Yes. I mean, it's it's definitely worth a watch. I think if anything, it, despite like all the reviews, all the criticism this movie is receiving, don't pay attention to that. Go in, you're adults, make your own decision, watch it, have a good laugh. And also don't take the politics too seriously because I don't think the movie tries to. If it does, it fails at it. It, it takes the South Park angle where everyone gets shit. Yeah, That's exactly. Really what it is. And it's just meant to be fun. Honestly, I'm just like, I want to see more of just Betty Gilplin just with a shotgun and just dropping that Alabama accent, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've learned a very, very important lesson. There's two things I've learned. One is always use the German three when ordering scotch and never, ever give the wrong change for when you're ordering cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. 
And never never gamble with a Sicilian when death is on the line. That too. That too. <laughs> Anyway, let's 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 pivot into uh, talking about a little bit about digital distribution versus theatrical distribution. So this movie, as we're talking about, got released on demand a lot earlier than usual. It, you can currently, as as of the recording of this podcast, you can rent it most places where you can rent movies for twenty bucks for a forty-eight hour rental. And and this this is actually the second movie this year that I've uh, rented that was released primarily uh, digitally. I, I I did the same thing with uh, Guns Akimbo earlier this year. Although I think Guns Akimbo was only like sixteen bucks. Wait, sixteen bucks? So so how does it like? What's the like average median range right now for most movies that go to video on demand? It I I, th- I think it really de- uh, depends. Uh, not that many movies go straight to rental on demand. Uh, well, well, I mean, I mean, I mean, movies that were meant to be theatrically distributed and that got pushed to video on demand, those usually range in about like the sixteen to twenty dollar range. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guns Akimbo is interesting because it was meant to get a, a theatrical di- distribution. The the director uh, got in trouble for some things he said on Twitter, and then the movie ended up just getting pushed primarily online. So it's basically a video on demand movie to begin with. The Hunt is a full-on theatrical movie that got forced on demand ahead of time, uh, which 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 I think kind of makes sense of why it would be a little bit more expensive if it is. I haven't. Uh, I, I honestly don't remember. I, I might have paid the full twenty bucks for Guns Akimbo. I don't think I did though. But we're currently in a time we're several weeks into this kind of nationwide uh, quarantine where everyone's staying at staying at home. Uh, theaters are shut down across the country. Very few theaters are actually open right now. And every day we hear about more big blockbusters, movies that were intended to be released are being pushed back till next year. In fact, it's looking like 2021 is going to be just <laughs> movies re- that were meant to be released in 2020. Yeah, like I know Ghostbusters um, uh, Afterlife was like basically pushed back to 2021. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and I feel like this is, things are kind of coming to a head here because mm-hmm. we've seen for a while a lot of pushback. A lot of studios want to release movies on demand the same time that they release them in theaters because that's what audiences want. It's kind of what everyone's been pushing towards in the 21st century. More people are streaming than before. Mm-hmm. Um, theaters understandably have been pushing back against that. They, yeah. they, they've been holding on to that, that window of time between when you can watch a movie in theaters and then rent it online. And now here we are in this unprecedented situation where for the foreseeable future, we don't know at this point how long this is going to be going on. It could be a few more weeks. It could be months. Well, right now, from what I've read a lot, I've read a lot of articles today on Variety, and they're already saying right now that the the whole summer blockbuster season is going to be non-existent this year for 2020. Like everything that they had scaled right now, all the superhero movies, all the animated films, uh, you know, there's the new Chris Nolan movie I was looking forward to in July, I think is not really going to be existent at this point a lot of studios are trying to strategize now how to distribute these films in a way that won't confuse the market and it won't like reap losses but at the same time they can make the most buck on because let's face it a lot of people would rather go see like a blockbuster during the summer or closer to the end of summer than they would want to watch it in winter which i feels like a lot of movies might have to get pushed to and right now, there is no strong strategy right now with do this uh, video on demand release. Like right now, I know like a lot of these films quickly just 
transferred over, like The Hunt. It was doing a theatrical release. Now it's quickly gone to, uh, uh, I believe it's Netflix, Amazon, but it's on. It's offered through a lot of different channels right now. I know it's not going to make much money off of those as it did in theaters. So a lot of studios, I think, are trying to scramble and figure out what's the best strategy. And that's why you're seeing some movies being pushed back to next year, some movies pushed back indefinitely or postponed indefinitely. Because it's right now, we don't know what the market's going to look like after this whole thing. So I think everyone is kind of wondering. Last I checked, I don't even think Mulan has a a new release date yet. I think they're still trying to figure out what to do with that. that because th- there's been talk about, you know, will Disney just end up dropping Mulan on Disney Plus, which is a very real possibility. It would. And it seems like this is an interesting thing, Joe, because I wanted to actually talk about this uh this topic about the the media landscape way back in November when Disney Plus actually launched because this was going to be an interesting strategy because Disney's always been dominant at the box office. Like they put movies in theaters, they reap in like millions. With something like Mulan, it probably would work to their strategy if they decided to do a Disney Plus release. I like I said, they probably wouldn't reap as much revenue as it would if they released it in theaters, but that's really up to them whether they see it more profitable to go straight to Disney Plus or if they push back to something like, you know, winter or a December release and show it then. So looking at this, whenever we're going to come out on the other side of this, what will the distribution landscape look like? At this point, will we go just just end up going back to the original distribution method where movies get pushed out into theaters and you have that window of time and then they're they're put on demand? Or are we going to be seeing more and more films released digitally in priority of being put into theaters? Are more movies like The Hunt, uh, The Invisible Man, another one that, that, that has happened? Are more movies like that going to just be released online with premium streaming prices early on as opposed to getting that theatrical window first yeah no i'm actually gonna say right now it is definitely gonna change i depending on like i said how long this quarantine will last how long the scare is gonna last it's going to change the movie and the media industry drastically and this is actually something i i've actually heard a lot of people talk about and i actually think it's going to come to fruition after this but i think a lot of just the four quadrant blockbuster films are going to be the ones that go straight to theaters like anything that is a superhero movie disney animated film one of the big stew blockbusters that they know is going to draw in the four quadrant tentpole audiences, they're going to go straight to theaters. Anything else that's like a mid-budget, low-budget, or a very niche market is going straight to streaming services. Everything is going to be going then to video on demand. Just because right now, it's going to take a while for studios to kind of just reap from the losses of these quarters. I don't think it's going to be something they can recuperate from, but I think for a while, it's going to be like that. And probably that might become the new norm. Alex, as as someone who doesn't get out to the 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 theaters all that often, what are your, what are your thoughts on all this? I don't think it's going to change that drastically at all. Um, blockbusters will still, I think, blockbusters will still go through their the same old kind of release schedule that they have been going through. You might see some smaller niche films be put on digital early. I don't think they're going to only do uh, digital sales for kind of the smaller movies, I, I I would say that they're still going to do theater releases, but you might see something where they do a theater release at the same time while doing a digital release or the or something similar to kind of The Hunt where it'll be maybe a limited theater run or it'll be a full theater run, but the digital release will come sooner than before the theater run ends. I, I really don't think it's going to change as drastically. 
You know, this kind of does take me back to, you know, Netflix was kind of like a pioneer when this started becoming a thing. Because this past year was a big year for Netflix. And one thing that they kind of did, which was interesting, was they released a lot of films that were big Oscar grab movies. Like you had The Irishman, you had uh, uh, Roma, which was a couple of years ago. You also had uh, Marriage Story and I know uh, The Two Popes, which were much more of like art house, like critic acclaimed films that were being offered on both platforms. They had it offered through Netflix, but then they also were doing a theatrical distribution uh, where it was released at some theaters and they were doing small circuits that way. Because you're right, uh, Alex, I do think there is still a draw to making more revenue at the box office. It's just, I think after this, I don't know if they can scale for that anymore, especially if they know, okay, we can't guarantee that all audiences or all families are going to go see a film. And so to do something like that in a theatrical release may be non-existent. It may just be Netflix will just keep it straight on its platform. I think we're going to be seeing uh, kind of a balance between what we've had before and what we're seeing right now. I, I, I don't think in general theaters are going to be more and more dominated by the big blockbusters. I... I think theaters are also going to be losing their weight and how much say they have in day and date releases because mm-hmm. theaters have been the ones kind of pushing back against day and date releases, you know, being, being released on online at the same time as being released in theaters. I think they're not going to hold as much weight after this. I think more movies like the hunt, the invisible man will be, end up being released day and date where, you know, you can watch them in some theaters, but you can also rent it for premium price online. And then after, you know, maybe a month or so, you can rent it for a more reasonable price later on. And I do think we're going to be just seeing more movies released online that that, that might have been released in theaters and will probably still get a run in some of the smaller out, smaller art house theaters, the independent theaters. Something like uh, Dragged Across Concrete last year. I know, I, I think it was like barely a week before uh after it was that one was in theaters it got released online yeah because i i feel like it didn't like generate as much of a a revenue from just its first week or maybe that's all that they could uh a lot for it for just one week and i think we're gonna be seeing a distribution method kind of like dragged across concrete for some of these other kind of mid-range movies that 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 aren't blockbusters but they're you know, almost like the, the the Jordan Peele kind of movies, some of the Blumhouse kind of movies, where yeah. it's going to be. I, th- I, th- I think they're going to get a more limited run in theaters and going to be released online, if not at the same time, and maybe like a week later, something like well, that. Well, I mean, that's almost like the same kind of strategy that a lot of studios look at the success of a movie. If is is if it makes at least its budget back, or if it dominates number one or number two at the box office, that guarantees if it's a success or not. And maybe right now with a lot of films, like how there's just a lot of them coming out, and especially for next year, the amount of films that we're going to get, as, as well as like with the others that we have plan for that year it's gonna have to be much more of a shorter span like i think it's not gonna we're not gonna see films like have the three week or the 10 week span that they we used to it might just be limited to one week and then then straight to video on demand i think you're right joe on that or something that might need to happen is movie theaters are going to just have to make going to the theater a spectacle again. You know, one thing I was just actually talking to my folks about is for something like if it's going to be an art house picture or something that is going to garnish uh, critic acclaim or Oscar nods, 
they're just going to have to make a big spectacle out of it. It's like, it's more than just going to see a movie. You're going to go see vendors there. You're going to see performers. You're going to see just everyone kind of dressed up kind of like, it reminds me of a lot of like those old house or those old vintage theaters that would just like have costume parties or they'd have a theme night and you just come in just like ready to just make this a kind of like more of just an experience than it is just going in to see a movie. So I think that might be something they'll have to, use a little bit more going forward uh finally uh price tag so we rented the hunt uh for 20 bucks for that well, that was well i think uh alex and i we just kind of decided to split the cost and we just watched it both together right right well yeah. well, well right because you guys are down in the down the same area for, for three people to watch the hunt we rented it uh let's, let's say 40 bucks for two rentals mm-hmm. yeah. um so I've, I've seen a lot of people complaining about that. I mean, it is a very steep price tag. I've also seen a lot of people arguing in favor of that in that an average night out at the movies, you'll probably end up spending that much on your, yourself anyway. And at home, you can sh- you know, you know, split the cost like, like, like you guys are able to. You know, you know, people will be watching the movie together. So uh, you know, if, you, if you tally up movie tickets around you know, anywhere between 12 to 16 bucks, depending on the night, then popcorn mm-hmm. and soda, people argue that you'd be spending that much anyway to see it in theaters. So why yeah. not spend that much at at home? You see, I would actually almost kind of argue with that because it's like, that's your food. Why do you have to pay for that much <laughs> just to eat your own food? That doesn't make sense. But I can see where you're coming from. Well, the argument isn't so much that, uh, that oh, you're paying for your own food. It's more like you would pay 20 bucks for a night out at the movies. So you should pay 20 bucks to watch a movie that you would be seeing in theaters at home instead. That's what the argument is. Okay. For the convenience of seeing it at home. Right. Go out, which I guess kind of makes sense. Yeah. And I can see right now with just like, just the unprecedented circumstance as it is, I can see studios slapping on the price. I can almost see also them dropping the price back down to 15 or even just 1499, depending on how things go. Like if they see like, this is the norm now, then yeah, they might average out the cost of that as the average going movie ticket. As of right now, I can see like they're just trying to reap the the losses as this. Well, what if say say for instance, Disney releases Black Widow. They say you can watch it in theaters or you could rent it for twenty bucks online at home the day it's released in theaters. What would you think about that? Hmm. I think that would be smart if they if they did something like that where it's like see it in theaters or pay the 20 bucks to see it at home same time and they did the 20 dollars for just a short period of time maybe you know for the whatever however long the movies in theaters and then they drop the price down to 10 bucks or if they did you know halfway through the theater run it's it drops in price that i could see would probably be a good option yeah, I'm going to kind of be on the opposite end. I almost feel like at that point, I'd rather just go to a movie theater just to see something like Black Widow. Like, despite like what the costs are, like if it is offering both options, I'd rather just go see in a theater. There's something about the, the theater experience that can't replace the whole video on demand at home experience. Like, I know that's becoming a norm now. Like, everyone is finding that a lot more convenient, you know, especially right now. Like, you can just pay for a movie and just sit on your couch and watch it. But there's something about, you know, if I was to pay 20 bucks to go see in the theaters, I'd rather do that. There's something about being with a bunch of people, seeing it at the same time. Yes, you're going to pay overpriced with popcorn and all that, but I prefer that. And maybe that's the reason why even after once this whole quarantine is over and our lives go back to normal, I'd rather still go in that direction as opposed to this whole like video on demand option that a lot of 
you know, studios are probably going to be much more lenient towards. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the studios are probably going to want you to see it in theaters as well. So, which is why they would they would jack up the price to like twenty bucks on the day of. Right. I I just know, like for me, I'm not the average person. The average person would prefer to sit at home and not have to deal with the crowds. Uh, yeah, and I think like somewhere there's going to be a, a a price range that they'll average on. But twenty bucks right now, I think I was willing to I was willing to go with that. I, I, I have a, a, a whole bunch of thoughts on this, which I'm not going to be able to get to, to all of them. But uh, the, so one thought is that I know that uh, it's popular to talk about, you know, like I, I would pay a premium to have the convenience for watching it at home, which a lot of people say, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting because for me, it's 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 the, the the greater value is in going to the theater to get to get it on the big screen with the surround mm-hmm. sound. It's, I mean, for me. It's a lot more about quality over convenience. Uh, so I think it's interesting how a lot of people are really pushing for. I'd rather stay at home and watch it in my pajamas. I mean, yeah, fine, that's that's nice, but I I would I would pay extra to go see it on the bigger screen myself. Which honestly, I'm gonna say, depending on like when this quarantine's lifted and people can go out and mingle again, and there's not this whole fear of like, will we catch the virus from us? I guarantee you, I think a lot more people would rather go to the movie theaters than anything. I think everyone's been done with being cooped up at home, sitting on their couch, watching, you know, whatever episode of Friends for the nth time. It's like they'd rather go and experience a social activity like that again. Yeah, well, I mean, even the the last movie that I saw in theaters was the 1930s King Kong. It was shown for like a Fathom Events thing. And uh, I caught it like just before everything got crazy with the, the virus. I, I have that movie at home. I have it on Blu-ray. I've seen it many times. I paid money to go see it on the big I screen know. because I'd never seen King Kong on the big screen. Exactly. <laughs> In a whole and new honest, experience. And honestly, just before uh, the whole COVID-19 quarantine happened, there is a local theater, the Ken Cinema, which was sadly, this was its last month. Its investors are no longer funding for it and it was going to close its doors. So it had a whole week of these classic films that they had lined up. I was actually ready to go watch every one of those films every night. And these are films I already have on Blu-ray and DVD, like Seven Samurai, Belle du Jour, um, Casablanca. I have these films, but I will still pay the top dollar just to go see that, just because there's something about seeing it on the screen that doesn't replace what direct-to-video would do. You guys are talking about specifically old movies that you never even had a chance Oh, even new movies. So like a, one of the last films I saw was A Portrait of a Lady in Fire. That's a more relevantly new film. And it's not necessarily something big or spectacle. It's more of an art house film. But I still appreciate seeing it because there's something with that, the surround sound, that just worked. It worked better for that than you would have done at home. And I think something would have been lost in that. Oh, and something like The Lighthouse also, I think, works better in too. I agree. I do agree. I mean, even though it's like, contained and kind of shot in a specific sort of uh, format, it still worked in theaters. Right, Alex? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, that all being said, me talking about how the value of a, a, a movie theater ticket is worth worth more to me, I would pay more for that than to watch it at home. I, I found something in Renting the Hunt that I hadn't really thought of before in that I think internally I've degraded the value of a movie of, of a movie ticket in my head like 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 a movie ticket to me i don't think it's worth as much anymore as what i used to think it was because 
there is that argument that you know people say like oh if you went out to go see the hunt in theaters you would have paid 20 bucks between you know driving there and how, how much you would pay for gas and everything you would have been paying 20 bucks total anyway with the, the movie ticket and all mm-hmm. i i wouldn't have though at least not for the movie ticket because i do the amc subscription method where you pay 20 bucks a month and you get to go see as many movies as you want right yeah mm-hmm. so to me it's 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 like going to the theaters it feels like I'm not paying anything. It's almost like, you know, you know, when you when you watch something on Netflix, yes, you're technically paying a monthly premium for Netflix, but when you just throw on a movie, it doesn't feel like you're renting the movies. In the same way, when I go to see a movie at the AMC, I don't feel like I'm buying a movie ticket. I feel like I'm just getting a free movie from the subscription that I had. So when it came to renting the hunt, I I, I my initial kind of backlash thought was like, oh wow, I'm actually gonna be paying money on this movie that I wouldn't have had to pay for before. But not only that, but I'm paying like twice the price I would have paid for if I'd gone to see it. Yeah, no, and Joe, you actually bring up a very interesting point because that's something I'm kind of realizing the general populace and even myself, even myself, I kind of downplay what the value of a movie is. Like, you know, we have these subscriptions. Like, I don't know if you guys remember MoviePass, but that was like one of the pioneers that tried to do that whole like monthly subscription of like, oh yeah, you pay 10 bucks and you go see any of these movies for a cheaper price. But it's like, you have to think like, okay, there's distribution costs. There's a whole cost of showing in the theaters or how long the circuit's going to run. And part of that is also whatever money the theater makes on concession sales. It brings it into perspective when you see that $20 on video on demand. And you realize, wow, this is actually how much a movie is worth. Not so much of like, oh, the $5.99 that I thought I was paying or the, maybe the $8.99 or even just $12.99 I was paying. This is literally the value. And it does bring that into perspective. And maybe this is just a friendly reminder. Well, maybe not a friendly reminder, but maybe there's just a cautious reminder just to people like, this is what entertainment is worth. So not to get so deep into that, but you, it's interesting you brought that up, Joe. Yeah, it's, well, it's interesting because watching The Hunt, I mean, you guys know me. I, I, I'll i watch anything, and I don't, I don't care about the quality of the movie. I'm, I'm anything? Just, I'm just, You'll watch just, anything? I'm, I'm not, don't hold me to that, but yes, I'll I, watch I'm going to hold you to that because I have a lot of movies I'd love to show you, and probably you'd show me, but anyway. And with the movie subscription method, you know, where I'm paying AMC 20 bucks a month to go see anything, I would just gamble on like movies that I know will probably end up being terrible, but what the heck? I'll I'll, I'll go see it anyway. You know, it'll, it's getting out to the movies at at least, and uh, maybe you'll find stuff you didn't know that you would enjoy. Uh, if I had to pay twenty bucks every time, I would not be gambling that much. Friends, uh, mm. watching the hunt, I was aware of how much I was enjoying the movie. At the same time, I was like, "Thank God I'm enjoying this movie," because if this movie sucked, I'd be pissed that i paid 20 bucks for this. <laughs> yeah. yeah you kind of really start to have to judge like okay is a movie i'm going to go see worth this investment because i've kind of always had that strategy so joe i'm, I'm not as like sp- spendy with when it comes to going to watch any movie like if a movie doesn't capture my interest from the just the trailer or from what buzz i'm hearing about it i usually try to avoid it because it's like you know Life is so short, and you only can see so many bad movies. I mean, obviously, oh, no. there's oh, no, Nate, Nate, there's no limit on the bad movies. <laughs> I know for you, there's no limit for a bad movie, but I think for sometimes for me, I'm like, I can either regret it or I will be appreciative of it. So I do have to be careful. I think with something like The Hunt, there was enough interesting talk about it that I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do the gamble. I'm gonna see if this is worth it or not. 
But you're right. If it had been a terrible movie and I paid 20 bucks for it, my reaction would have been quite different. I think I would have been kind of similar to you. I've just been moping around my entire house and just be like, 20 bucks, 20 bucks. I could have bought toilet paper for 20 bucks. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, whereas, whereas opposed to, you know, with, with the, uh, the MCU subscription thing, mm-hmm. I, I go to see a terrible movie in theaters. I go out and I'm like, well, that movie sucked. Thank goodness. I didn't waste money on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, especially, I kind of reminds me back in the days when you used to work at a movie theater yourself and mm-hmm. you had the option of seeing films at a discount. It's like, you relish on those opportunities when you have that to actually oh, yeah. go see that. Uh, when I worked at the movie theater in San Diego, I, I, I got free movies. I would see literally everything. I mean, I mean that was that was before I had kids. I had more time. I, I would literally do like triple features some nights when well, a new movie came out. Well, I kind of also remember like the, uh, back in 2014 when you were still working in the theater. That's when we actually started film illiterates. Like you would actually yep. come in and talk about like the top. 10 movies of 2014 or the 10 top 10 worst films of 2014 you would have a whole list of these movies you saw at that theater and i was like wow i wish i had that kind of time to see those were the days <laughs> those are the days i remember the rover being just like one of the worst films i had seen but i've known you've seen worse so uh anyway i i, I um uh do, alex do you have anything else to, 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 uh, to say on this before we wrap it up uh not particularly I think everything's been said as far as what I want to cover. Yeah. I mean, one thing I will say is I'm kind of intrigued to see what the marketing, if if, if this is the direction studios are going to go in, like, you know, mid-budget films are going to now be distributed online. I'm kind of curious to see how they will plan on, you know, distributing that and what their strategy is. It's worked for Netflix because people who already have Netflix subscriptions, they know what they're going to get when they go see a, a direct to digital movie. But some studios like Universal, Warner Brothers, or even just Disney, I think they're still trying to formulate like, okay, how do we market this to people who have the subscription or maybe don't have the subscription? How do we make this tantalizing for them? I know for me, just hearing about The Mandalorian was enough for me to get on Disney+. Plus. But I know for some people who are still hesitant, they don't know if it's worth it, this will be an interesting strategy. So I like to see where this will go. I like to see the marketing landscape that comes out of this yeah we'll have to see in the upcoming weeks and months uh, as uh get more and more into this stay at home uh quarantine thing uh what 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 studio how studios handle that mm-hmm. all righty well that that'll do for this episode of the film illiterates podcast uh you can find us on twitter at film illiterates uh you can find my letterboxd account at film underscore illiterates uh where i log everything that I, that i watch uh nate where can people find you okay well you can find me here at uh the film literates channel doing these wonderful podcasts with these guys i'm also on instagram at nathan underscore stone underscore films um i'm also on letterboxd at i believe ivan claysburg uh so i think the next thing i want to watch is first cow have you guys heard about this movie title sounds familiar yeah uh i might check it out i'll try and get a review of that but that looks interesting but anyway that's where you can find me alex uh you can find me on letterboxd under half scrim i'm also on rate your music under the same name if you want to catch up on what i'm listening to also on my anime list under the same name twitter is the only different one where i'm at alex d Patton. 
And you can find our uh, previous videos at youtube.com slash filmilliterates and filmilliterates.com. So you can find this episode and uh, other videos. And also, uh, we have another podcast coming up pretty soon. Uh, Joe, It's a you have a pick-a-flick in the bag, right? And you're just hoping it doesn't crawl out and gives everyone the shivers? Oh, yeah. It's uh, a bit of a mind fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll pick one of those. Keep watching movies and keep it easy.